This is Off the Record, the weekly KOTO public affairs show that offers you, the listener, an opportunity to hear in-depth conversations on community topics and issues that matter. As always, you are encouraged to join the conversation by calling 728-4333. Now here's your host. Good evening, KOTO listeners. You are tuned into KOTO Telluride and Off the Record I am your host, Julia Caulfield, and today we are talking books. We're going to be talking about some book recommendations coming up later in the hour. But to start, we're going to be talking about book binding, which I'm very excited about. I'm joined by Chip Schilling, who uh, runs the Book Binding Academy in Telluride. It's part of the AHA School for the Arts, but it also is its kind of own thing. Um, Chip, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. Ooh, let's turn your microphone on. That'll be helpful. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, reminder to listeners, if you have any questions about bookbinding, about books, please feel free to give us a call. The number is 970-728-4333. Chip, I'm going to start off with asking, how did you get started in bookbinding? It feels like a pretty niche thing to, to be part of. And, and what drew you to it in the first place? Well, I started um, uh, volunteering at the Minnesota Center for Book Arts. That's where I'm from, Minneapolis. Um, and one day I ducked in there to get out of the rain and discovered this world. I had no idea existed. Um, prior to that, I was mostly a photographer. And I always wanted to put my photographs in books. And so I started taking classes and volunteering at the MCBA. And then um, in... Um, Shortly after that, I decided to go to graduate school and got a master's in book arts and printmaking in the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. And um, then started making books. And this has been a 20 plus year endeavor. I went into business for myself, um, designing and printing books, um, studied with some very great people. Um, you know, and I always knew about the um, American Academy of Bookbinding since the late 90s. But, it, you know, for one reason or another, either I didn't have the money or I didn't have the time. Um, I didn't make it out here till 2019. And even after all those years of experience, I, I took a class and was just blown away. Um, and, you know, learned more than I, I thought, um, more than I thought I would. And the environment was so great and the people are so great. I was just really attracted to it. Um, and that's pretty much how it happened. Um, I was offered the job um, in January of 2020, just before the pandemic hit. <laughs> um, there was some delays there, but I started um, as managing director um, May of 20, um, 20, I guess that was May 2020. It's I know where the time that goes. vortex of time. Yeah, <laughs> it is indeed. Um, but I've known a lot of the people that um, you know, that teach at the school. I've known them for 20 years because the whole book arts community is is relatively small, and the book binding component is even smaller. But it is an international community, um, and you know about I don't know 20% of our students come internationally, and the um, the other 80% are mostly national. There's a number of regional. Um, people certainly the pandemic drew a lot more regional people but um 
Yeah, that's great. Nice. Well, it looks like we actually have someone trying to call in. So I'm going to have you pop those headphones on, see if we can bring them up on the air. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hi. um, There is someone very important in the world of bookbinding that your guest needs to know. Who is that person? Timothy Herndon, H-E-R-N-D-O-N. He has been in the bookbinding world for 40 years, because we're that old. And um, look him up, because he is an absolute uh, amazing person. He knows the answer to every question that anybody might have in your world. He's been doing it for so long. He also went to he went to Germany for a while. You're talking about international, yeah. Um, and yeah, he's amazing. Um, it's yeah. a lost art. It's sort of a lost art. So look him up, Timothy Herndon. Yeah, thank you. Amazing. Thanks for that recommendation. Thanks for calling in. Thank you. Yeah. There you go. Nice. Yeah. Even our experts are getting recommendations. Yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't hurt because. I mean, it's um, the community itself knows itself pretty well, but um, at the same time, it's we're so spread out, um, and you know, a lot of uh, I would say a number of you know people making books, making stuff by hand, are, are not all that digitally inclined, and um, and and keep to themselves. There are book book arts listservs, book binding listservs, and the community has grown because of that. Um, but it it's great. Yeah. You know, you mentioned that you kind of stumbled onto bookbinding a little bit, maybe by accident, but you've been in the work for so long. What is it that you enjoy about the physical process of creating books? What, what do you love about that? Oh, I, well, first of all, I mean, it's, it's, it's great to work with your hands. Um, I do like um, to... You know, I, I, I work, everybody works on the computer all day long. And even, you know, I design books on the computer. Um, but I, when I print books, I print them letterpress. And I can do that design on the computer and output film and make plates and still get that tactile visual feel. I didn't really realize how wide the bookbinding community was for being such a small community <laughs> um, until I really um, came here and started managing the classes here. The instructors that teach at AAB are some of the best in the world. And, and they just um, instill in you, you know, I mean, people are attracted to it, one, because of the love of books, but there's also the love of craft. And um, our instructors are just so good at instilling that love and making you, your mind and your hands work together. So I guess that's what it is. It's just really um, that, that visceral feel of, of, you know, thinking something up and making with your hands. Yeah. Well, so there is an exhibition at the AHA school um, mm-hmm. all about bookbinding, which we can talk a little bit more about later. Everyone should definitely go see it. It's really amazing. Um, but one of the things that I found so impressive looking at these books is just 
how detailed and intricate they are. And I mean, you see at the kind of at the entrance of the exhibit is like a step-by-step process of all the things that it takes. And some of the um, the steps I thought were absolute gems. I can't remember what what went before and after, but it was like step 34, close the book, which I just like love how yeah. detailed that is. But for those of us who maybe are not well-versed in the art of bookbinding, do you mind kind of giving a, an overview of what that process looks like? Like, how do you go about binding a book, making a book? Sure. Well, first, let me say we have two aspects to our program. I mean, anybody can come and take classes, you know, basically a la carte. But we also offer two diploma programs. The books in the exhibition, which is titled Hometown Bound, are m- mostly books by our diploma students and some of our instructors. So that's um, the Diploma Student in the Fine Binding Program, which specializes in these one-of-a-kind, unique books that um, are fully bound in leather and then have inlays and onlays and different materials attached to them. The other aspect of our program is the Integrated Studies Program, which is more conservation-based and also an addition binding base. And by that, I mean someone who wants to really make a living as a book art, uh, as a book binder. Um, and pursuing printers and publishers and binding their edition of 100 or 200 books, whatnot. So there are those two aspects. The, um, the fine binding program is, and the bindings that you see in that exhibition from that program are just really highly detailed, nuanced um, um, bindings that are ready for international competitions, basically. Um, and there are uh, a number of those, and our students um, do quite well in them. Um, so, what was your question again? <laughs> How do you bind a book? Well, <laughs> it, it's complicated. We, so we start with individual um, pages, which are gathered into signatures. Um, in, in, a, you know, in, a, in a book form, they pretty much come ready to bind. Um, you punch holes and you sew it together. And we sew over what we call our cords. And those cords get laced into boards. And from there, we can cover the book with leather. Um, the, because the covers are laced on, they move. And you can wrap the covers with that leather. And it's done. It's a very wet process. Um, we use um, vegetable tan leather, which is um, very water-loving leather, as opposed to chrome tan, which furniture is made out of. And so we have to wrap that text block in um, in paper and in plastic so that when you're working with the leather, because you work it wet, it allows you to mold it around the covers and around the boards, um, and then it, the text block is protected. And then once you do that, and the leather er, and the leather dries, the covers splay out like a butterfly, and then you have to line the inside of the boards to pull it back to a flat cover. It's um, the bindings that you see in that exhibition are probably n- average 40 hours to produce, if not longer, on some of the more intricate um, inlays and onlays. But it's quite a labor-intensive process. Yeah, I, I mean, it very much looks like it is. <laughs> you see these books, and they're just absolutely breathtaking, um, and really. You know, I think we think about the 
the functionality, I guess, of a book. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what we read stories out of or textbooks or whatever it might be. But these pieces, they are so much works of art in themselves. That's, I was talking with someone, it's like, it's an art exhibit and the art just happens to be books, you yeah, know? Yeah. <laughs> what do you, how do you find or look for that balance of creating something that is functional in its um, use as a book, mm-hmm. but then also has this, these really impressive, um, rich art qualities to them as well. Sure. Well, ideally the binder is reading the story and getting inspiration from the content of the book for the designs on the outside of the book. And it really goes from there. I mean, some, you know, some people are more literal and some people are more abstract. And, but it really, the intent is really to tell a story with the outside of the book that reflects that content. So. Do you like creating pieces that, because, I mean, speaking again, back to this exhibit, everybody should go see it. There are some that are, are more kind of literal, um, maybe traditionally what we would think of as books. There's another one that's made out of fish skin yeah. that has a, has a, um, a fin on the the spine of the book. Right. Um, what are the things that you're drawn to when you when you craft books? Well, certainly working with materials, um, papers and leathers are just they all react so differently, and they're everything's a challenge. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, I am drawn to you know that that cover that really exp- kind of helps explain the content of the book. Um, there is a book in the exhibition titled Roadkill. And on the outside of the cover is a porcupine quill. There's eel skin. There, I don't believe there's fishkin, but there are other odd materials um, that are just quite fascinating. So, yeah, I mean, it's really um, whatever sparks your imagination and wants you to get into that book and see how that cover works with the content because content is king (laughs) um i mean so on that note you know as we've just said like i think for most of us we think of books as this conduit that takes us to the story um is there a if someone picks up a book, whether it be an old, older one that is clearly leather bound, kind of of a maybe older, more traditional book binding mm-hmm. um, form or something that's just new, fresh off the presses. Is there something that when we're holding the physical book before we even dive in that you think is important to um, take a look at and appreciate how that book was physically constructed? Well, you know, books are so personal um, and and portable. <laughs> um, although you probably wouldn't want to carry these design bindings around with you. And there, there's a binding in the exhibition that has um, a scalpel blades attached to it and, and other things. So, I, yeah, I mean, it's... Um, it is what it is. I mean, you just have to... If you love books, and you, you'll just love the exhibition. <laughs> there, I mean, the other aspect, these are fine binding diploma students, but we also offer this integrated studies program, which 
we repair old books. And, you know, leather, if it's not taken care of or it's exposed to the sun, will dry out and you get leather rot and whatnot. Um, old books develop a smell and whatnot. And, and there's something charming to that. Um, I just, you just, you know, as a young child, you know, and actually most of my life, you know, you can take books for granted. Um, and, you know, go to the free box. There's, there's a ton of books there and there's some great ones. Um, it, it, it is, you know, books just have a way of, of bringing you into them. And it, it doesn't have to be an exquisite design binding. Um, I don't know. They're just, books are wonderful. <laughs> yeah. I think we could, I mean, I will definitely agree with you <laughs> on that one. Books are wonderful. Um, listeners, if you have any questions or comments for Chip, please give us a call at 970-728-4333. You are in tune with Off the Record on KOTO. Chip, I asked you before we got going what a song is that, that really <laughs> reminds you of books. And we're going to play that song in a little bit. It might seem a little counterintuitive for our conversation. But you said... Oh my gosh, music is so important for your bookbinding process. Um, can you talk a little bit about what what you mean by that? How does how does music play into um, your experience of bookbinding? Well, as a bookbinder, you're and I've done a lot of editions, so there's a lot of repetitive tasks. Um, and sometimes you need very calm music if you're doing some very detailed, intricate work. Um, and so I might put on Brian Eno or something like that. But then there are times it's like, well, I got to get this done and I'll put on The Clash. So, you know, it's, um, it helps. Music dictates your mood. Um, and I also want to say that I discovered that the format you play it on di dictates your time. An LP, uh, a side of an LP is roughly 20 minutes. And for certain tasks, that's great. And for other things, you need a CD, or you need your iPod, uh, your your phone, your your iTunes music, and you just put it on random mix and you let it go for a couple hours. So, it, music is definitely a tool for when I'm working in the studio. Um, so, yeah. Is there? I mean, you mentioned of like an LP could last a certain amount of minutes. Is there an element to once you start your maybe not the whole thing, but certain elements of the process that you kind of like once you start you have to keep going you can't take breaks or yeah or stop especially when you're dealing with glue you don't want to be flipping albums when you have glue on your fingers <laughs> you know that can that can ruin an album pretty fast so um yeah i mean how does that you know we when you're doing your work specifically there's um and maybe you're making more than one book um, or you're making more than one copy of a book. How much are you focusing on making sure that all of those books are specifically exactly or as close to being identical as possible? Or, mm -hmm. you know, how much are you saying these are by, by hand, they're inevitably going to be um, a little bit different from each other? Do you really try and like get that precision in there? You need the precision. Clients don't like it when everyone's different. So, uh, you know, you, you do your tests, you, do, you make jigs, you, little, little, um, little devices that help you do a certain task. Um, and then you, 
I, you know, you kind of become a robot. And there's actually something really peaceful about that. You just get in this flow of motion and your mind can go in many different directions, but your hands still do the job. And, you know, it's kind of magic. And I, I like it. Not everybody's cup of tea, I suppose, but um, it uh, gets me through my days. Yeah. Um, Chip, we are quickly wrapping up on our time that we have this evening. It's gone by impressively fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, is there anything, and you might stick around for part of our next conversation as well, yeah. um, but we are finishing up on our bookbinding specific portion of the program this evening. Is there any final thoughts or um, anything you'd like to share maybe about how, oh, ooh, actually, I'm going to have you hold that thought. Okay. We have one more call. So let's answer that phone first. You want to pop your headphones on? Oh, yeah. Hi, you're live on Kodo. We lost him. All right. <laughs> if you just tried to call, give us a call back. Um, <laughs> I, I, you were saying. Yeah, I would say that, I mean, the, the bindings in the exhibition are from our diploma students. But I also, as I noticed this year, um, you know, everybody takes notes on the lectures. And everybody's notes are unique and really quite beautiful. And I want to include more of our student population in the exhibition. So the non-diploma students, I asked them if they'd send in their um, notebook pages from notes they took during the class. And so some of those are up on the wall. And then also in those notes, there are some diagrams that explain, you know, a task or something. And so I'm having um, one way you can support our students is to go see the exhibition and then vote on your favorite sketch. And the winning sketch will be printed on the backside of our AAB coffee mug. And that student will get um, a discount on uh, class this year. So you can support them without any expense or effort. Uh, certainly, if you want to support AAB, you can go to our website and donate. Thank you. Perfect. All right. Now we're going to try and take this phone call. Hi, you're live on Kodo. Hi. Um, I was wondering, as a uh, fellow University of the Arts alumnus, right. how does one sign up for one of these a la carte classes? Great question. Thanks for calling. Yeah, thanks. Um, you can go to our website, which is bookbindingacademy.com, and um, our list of all our classes are on there. Our classes are one-week-long and two-week-long sessions. They're... Um, they're very uh, intensive, um, but it's really an incredible experience. So, yeah, please check out the website. You can also um, send me uh, an email, and I'll add you to the mailing list. We'll be sending out a PDF catalog of our classes uh, next week, and my email is chip at aha.org. Perfect. Chip, I did. I am going to ask you why this song did just pop into your brain. I asked you, what's a song that makes you think of books? <laughs> and you chose books are burning <laughs> what made you think of this song well i've been involved in the, uh, the book arts world for a long time and and artists do the craziest things with books and i just always i don't know xtc is a is a band that i listen to once in a while when i'm binding and the song always kind of hit a chord so amazing well coda listeners um thanks for tuning in don't turn off your radio yet. We're going to be back in just a few moments. We're going to be talking about some book recommendations with folks from the Wilkinson Public Library and the Between the Covers bookstore. So keep your dial, keep your 
radio tuned <laughs> and think of any questions you might have and give us a call. Um, for the meantime, this is Books Are Burning by XTC. We will be right back. Books are burning in the main square.
fade that music out. We are here for the second half of our off the record hour talking about books. I have some new guests joining in the studio. We have Jennifer and Brad Ball, who are the new owners of the Between the Covers bookstore, and Tiffany Osborne from the Wilkinson Public Library. Thanks all y'all for joining Book Night on Kodo. Thanks for having us. So I do want to start off, obviously we want to talk about books, but um, in general, in terms of recommendations, but I would love to hear from all of you of what got you interested in books and what keeps you kind of in the business of books, either through the bookstore or the library, um, enough to even want to buy a bookstore, you know, what, what grabbed your passion for, for this form of media? You want me to go? <laughs> go um, for it. So I used to be a librarian, a children's librarian, and it was one of my favorite jobs ever. Um, so love that. And then y'all's bookstore is amazing. I mean, what they've done over the last, you know, almost 50 years, I think next summer they'll, you know, it'll be 50 years in that one spot, um, just made it something that we wanted to be a part of. And yeah. Nice. Oh, me? Okay. <laughs> well. I think all the listeners probably know me and know my story, but I grew up reading and loving, and it was just a passion. And um, eventually coming here and being in this town and then getting a job at Wilkinson Public Library was probably the best thing that ever happened. And so since then, just meeting, well, the library, you kind of meet everybody in town that goes to the library. So I just started um, really diving into um, recommendations and reading advisory. And I really, really like it. Um, I loved coming in and talking to people and saying, oh, I need a book to read. And then you're like, okay, that's a question. And you, you really just have to just get to talk and you get to know people. And then you can kind of base your recommendations. It's not an easy thing to do, actually. You have to really, um, I have to work at it. Um, and that means getting to know your collection in more ways than one. And all that's in there and then asking for help when you can't help um sometimes your knowledge just goes so far so it's just been a a lifelong journey for me yeah brad what about you yeah i think for me i think about you know i almost didn't graduate from college i I was one of those that bounced around in majors and in order to graduate i had to do something that i enjoyed and i ended up majoring in history because i like to read and read about history and um so it kind of got me through college um, as far as with the bookstore, you know, I like just being up front and somebody walks in and say, oh, hello, you know, what are you doing today? You know, so not everybody would enjoy that, but I get a kick out of just meeting people. Yeah. What, I mean, Tiffany, you were just talking about it in terms of like talking to people and giving book recommendations, mm-hmm. which to me sounds like a very daunting thing to do because you have to have so many books in your brain at one time, whether you personally like them or not, you know, to be able to kind of rattle those off how many books would y'all say that you have in your brain that if somebody came in i want this specific genre you could be like got it how many books do i have in my brain (laughs) wow i have not thought about it in that context before um in my world in in my thinking i think i can probably go I, i could i could go anywhere in my library um, it might not be an accurate, just depending because if the person's already read it or not. So I'm, but I, I feel like I could hit, um, maybe not compute like nonfiction. I would, I would be less accurate in, um, 
really less accurate in nonfiction. <laughs> but in fiction, that I I could probably probably come up with something. It's just whether or not it would be what that person was looking for. Yeah, I I, I geek out way too much at work. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a good thing. Yeah, no, 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 it is. <laughs> it is. It might be a sad thing. <laughs> No. It's if you're not. gonna geek out about I, I like know, right. geek out about books, it, it is. It is, and you can get lost. There's all sorts of rabbit holes. Even thinking and looking at recommendations for this show. I mean, I could have gone anywhere. And you pull from the New York Times. You pull from the library does local reads. Like who's reading? Our staff is doing local reads. Like what they like, and so that's really fun. But there's all sorts of ways to go, and you almost it's almost too much. I don't know. Do you guys have that problem? Yeah, to, yeah. I, I find. I mean, it's nice being as old as we are. I think that helps. <laughs> exactly. Um, but then it's really fun because all the employees in the bookstore and you know your friends at the library, you like different things, and so you. That's what makes it fun to connect over books is because I like nonfiction. You like fiction or kids' books. You know, it's. I don't know. It's kind of cool. How do you? I actually participated in um, the Box of Sunshine at the yes, library. Yes, the little Box of Sunshine. Yes, Aww, and I and one that. of the things in that was saying we're going to give you a book. Tell us what kind of book you want. And um, in some ways, it's kind of hard to be like narrow it down beside like outside of genre. So when you're talking to folks, um, and it, it does seem kind of as Tiffany as you're saying, like uh, getting to know that person a little bit of like. What what are they looking for beyond thriller, nonfiction, historical fiction? So, what are the kind of things that like you pick up on when you're talking to somebody about? Oh, this is actually within this genre, within this niche. This is what I think would work well for them. Throwing that out to anybody. Oh gosh! So when it is daunting, first of all, when you throw something out there, and you're like, oh, we're gonna pick out a book for you and <laughs> and give us some information. And some people. Um, with that specific example, the little box of sunshine said mystery. That's the one that was it. And some people wrote an entire book, like a, a, a page essay about their lives and about what. The, and we're like, oh, okay. And I'm not sure which is more daunting, to be honest with you, with so much information and you don't want to mess it up because somebody really needs something that what they're looking for, or the. All right, mysteries, are we looking for a John Grisham? I mean, like what? So you, it really helps to know what they enjoyed for their last read. Um, but I think books and it's like music, it's subjective. It's your moment of what you're into at that time. It's your mood. You never know. Um, I always encourage people to take three books because you don't know what you're going to be in the mood for when you get home. Like when you go to read, whether it's in the morning or night, you could open it up and go, what was I thinking? And so you need backup. That's just the way I think that you need. I mean, mm-hmm. right? it seems to me like it'd be, it's a lot easier in the bookstore than it would be in the library. <laughs> the library is so big. But in the bookstore, you just start having a conversation and you yeah. walk around the bookstore. And it's a lot easier when there's three instead of it's like one on one. You kind of feel like you're under a lot of pressure. But, you know, if Sam, my son, or somebody else that works there, you know, if there's two of us, then we start bouncing ideas off each other. And that actually is a really fun way to get to know somebody. Well, when we do tasks like and projects like the Little Box of Sunshine, there are at least two of us at the minimum doing it. And sometimes we have to reach out 
right. for other staff members to go, ah, <laughs> um, we need more help here. Um, so we, right, especially if it's in the, um, just one that we're not familiar with. So thankfully at the library, we do have a big staff. So we have lots of people that are well-versed in all sorts of really cool things that I, you just would never know. So it's, it's pretty fun. So th- I'm going to ask a question that might be like Julia asking a question for myself that, <laughs> that I need help with. So I feel like I have been recently in the pattern of starting a book that I really enjoy, but then put it down and then start another one, really enjoy it, put it down, start. An- and so I've like probably have almost a dozen books that I'm anywhere from a couple pages to a couple chapters to like halfway through. And so do you have any advice as book connoisseurs to, you know, maybe like how to get back into those or, um, you know, if you're maybe going through a little bit of rut, you're not reading as much as you want to of kind of like kind of easing your way back into that world. It's a dangerous world. I don't know if uh, some people aren't like if me, if I find a good book, that is it. I'm out. If my children would like dinner, sorry. I, Cook that's yourself. Not, yeah, I'm, I'm, they're old enough. They're teenagers. But it's it's hard. But when you're stopping and going, it depends on what you're reading. If you're reading a lot of nonfiction, I, for me, nonfiction is one of those things you can stop and go back to. Fiction's a little bit trickier can, because can you remember after starting five other books? So maybe those aren't the right books for you. Um, Sarah Lander, you and our director, we, we talk, my director, she and if you start a book and it doesn't captivate you, you're, we're done. Make it halfway through. We're done. Their life is too short to read. You gotta, you gotta get the books that you love. And there's so many out there, so many to try. I mean, that's my philosophy. Those are the new owners of the bookstore. I think <laughs> <laughs> the idea of having 12 books that you bought and you're trying to read—that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would suggest if you get stuck, just go buy another book. Yeah. <laughs> to turn them off. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, but I think sometimes the books, I mean, well, we work well with, we do lots of stuff with the bookstore, but like sometimes when I read a book at the library, I go over and buy it um, because mm. I loved it so much. I have to have that book as part of my collection. Mm-hmm. And my daughter doesn't believe in checking out books from the library. She only believes in going to buy books and I don't know what I did wrong. She's a great, great child. (laughs) I I did something drastically wrong with her. Um, I was like, look, we have book clubs. And she's like, yeah, no, no. She wants her own. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So an interesting thing. Everybody's different. You know, if you really love something, you you, want to own a piece of it. Right. Especially a book that just means means so so much to you because it created that feeling or yeah. that knowledge. I mean, it's just it something. It brings back memories it does. you have it. Yep. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, right. Yeah. It was a moment. Yeah. Um, so I did ask y'all to come on in part A because we like talking about books, but also to maybe give some folks some book mm-hmm. recommendations for this, you know, winter spring season that it's we seem to be yet, Julia. I, know, <laughs> no, I mean it feels like I know it, it no. technically is not no. but if you step outside it, it sure today. feels like it's it all is changing tomorrow. I know I hear we're supposed oh to get God. 11 inches next what? week word on the street I don't know if that's true okay that's exciting wow. yeah. we need the 11 we inches need it. so I'm, I'm, it's okay but don't hold me to that <laughs> great thing to say on the news don't hold yeah. me to this, <laughs> these facts perfect <laughs> um 
you know, it's a big question, but thinking through um, some of the recommendations or books that you feel are like, these are really good ones that I think people should give some time to um, these days. What would you maybe say are, are some of those books? Jennifer, let's start with you. Um, one of our favorites, family favorite, is A Gentleman in Moscow. And it's been really hard to keep in stock. It's um, it's just a really great, uh, beautifully written, descriptive um, fiction book. So that's a favorite. Um, we get in new books every single day. There's a big... Um, you know, Tuesdays are new release days. So today, um, Eric Larson's new book um, was released and arrived at the store. So that was very exciting. It's called um, The Splendid and the Vile. Um, well, that just came out in paperback, right? Yeah, it just it came out in paper. paperback. Yeah, yeah, it, it was, it's been, yeah, 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 yeah. It's been out, but um, the paperback version is much wanted. Yeah, it is. Yes. So true. And then Powder Days. Oh, Powder Days, the community one book, one canyon, um, because all of our books are spoken for. Um, So do you guys still have copies? We do. We have a few copies um, now, and then we're getting in another round this week. Because we have people signing up right and left, and actually the um, wait list on the Powder Days to get an interlibrary loan is is actually quite long now. So I told somebody today, I was like, you might want to go pop over and pick it up. So Powder That's Days exciting. is the One Book, One Canyon one book, one library. Canyon. Um, Tiffany, I'm going to ask, what, what made y'all choose that book? I don't know how much you are involved in that specific <laughs> process. I, um, I was very much not involved on the process, but the outskirts um, of Laura and Joanna and Jill um, picking that is, it, it really speaks to what tourist town and mountain towns are going through right now on all sorts of different levels. Um, and they just thought it was relevant. And we always try to book, book, uh, pick something with our One Book, One Canyon that's relevant to the here and now. And I think that Laura's very happy with her choice. I think it brings up a lot of, of stuff. And having grown up um, in tourist towns my whole life, uh, I definitely see it. And climate change is definitely a factor. And, we're all, and housing and the ski bum mentality. And is it still possible? I mean, everything's changing. And is it a positive or a negative? Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and I think it's going to be an interesting read for everybody to to have something to say. It's very here and now, and it's at the bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> um, what are some of the other books that you think that people should be checking out from the library these days? Oh well, we're going to go. Will you get my glasses because we're going to see. So um, <laughs> <laughs> you guys brought up um, a gentleman in Moscow but the, his new book The Lincoln Highway is we can't keep in the waiting list is huge are you guys selling a lot of that we people are. are loving The Lincoln Highway yeah uh, more towels I mean he just um, it's very different from a gentleman in Moscow it actually has some clever humor I I read gentleman in Moscow I <gasps> yeah I mean it was good because you have to read it but I might have maybe not been my favorite. Um, so why, what, what kept you reading it then? Because you have to. Okay. <laughs> it was one of those books that you have to finish. Okay. Um, that's the kind of writer that he is. Um, my personal opinion. But, and I haven't gotten The Lincoln Highway because it doesn't stay in the library long enough for me to, to steal it or grab it from somebody else. Um, but that being said, I tend to gravitate towards the lighter side of reading that's my um i pull, i looked at the new york times bestsellers list today and i've looked at it all week and i don't know um 
and everything on there is fairly light. I mean, I don't know if you guys keep track of that stuff or not, but it's pretty light. I mean, I think people now, all through COVID and stuff, I know that was the going trend. And I think now people are just starting to come back um, to that. Um, on the New York Times bestseller, I've actually read Colleen Hoover. She has, I think, four books on there. Um, Taylor Jenkins Reid, who did Malibu Rising, which was one of our, our biggest reads this summer. Um, the Seven Husbands of he Evelyn Hugo, that's been supremely popular. Um, interesting because she also wrote Daisy Jones and the Six, and that was popular. So she's just, she's cranking out books that are really well liked. Um, I do have two choices in the nonfiction world which is surprising, but they're pretty cool. Um, a Most Remarkable Creature by Jonathan Meberg. Um, it's the story of the Caracaras, and Jonathan is actually a musician. And um, have you ever heard of Shearwater, an Austin-based band? Okay. I hadn't either, but then I looked up some of their videos because it's a rabbit hole you go down. And it, they're pretty cool, and he's also an ornithologist and went on and tracked Darwin's... Um, through the Galapagos, he did everything and found the Caracaras and his telling their story and their, their road to extinction or how we can stop it and how we can learn from the Caracaras. It's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. All right. I like that. And I think you're going to be hearing um, Eating to Extinction by Dan Saladino. So he is um, he's covering our diet used to be so vast and we had such a wide array and now we're down to you know corn wheat and what's the other one that we all eat mm -hmm. um and we're, we're down to three of them but if we get back and we we look out and see what people have been eating to survive throughout the hundreds of years so it's part travelogue it's part recipe it's part um eating and it looks fascinating and it's got amazing reviews that's what i have amazing all right and then i mean if you want to do something fun the christie affair Ag agatha christie when she went missing 11 days right yeah and then we have this little affair happening wait what what yeah i love agatha christie <laughs> what is did this did you know about this no for Wh sale now what are we talking about <laughs> so agatha christie um was kidnapped or she disappeared there's a whole big mystery for 11 days and it's always been, um, Marie Benedict wrote a book last year, the year and a half ago, with her version of what happened with um, Agatha and who was behind it. And the Christie Affair is also addressing those rumors and historical fiction. Good to know. I know. Maybe that will be the book that I actually yeah. <laughs> that gets you back. Just why would you yeah. start yeah. But um, I've had several patrons read it and say, oh my gosh, that was so much fun. So that's amazing, and it's so not too crazy, but it's interesting because it's Agatha Christie, yeah. Um, and I think enjoyable, nice. And that's one of the other ones that it just came in, but I can't keep it, it's gone before I I can snag it. Yeah. I'm not saying it to anybody, I ever take books first, <laughs> that that like never that. do that, never do that. All right, what else do you guys got? Yeah, Brad, yeah you on the lighter other? side, too, Nick Offerman, you know, he has a book that's on yeah. the bestseller list, and inspired by a conversation you had with Wendell Berry and then it, he and his wife went cross country in an airstream and so he writes about outdoor spaces in the US and people he meets and all that and it's it's one you can pick up and read and put down and you know come back to another chapter later it's a you know he's if you like him it, the book is about like you would expect from him so it's it's a fun read pretty entertaining yeah it's right? very entertaining yeah. 
Right. I think the other one is that we've got, you know, we're picking up classics again, I guess maybe because we're in the bookstore, but going back to the classics is, is pretty fun to do. And you can just go kind of roam and say, oh, I was supposed to read that book in high school or something. I, I never did. Um, that's really fun to do, I think. I agree. There's actually, it was a, a noticeable trend over COVID that lots of people were going back to classics. Um, and it, there was a time at the library, we just, I was like, well, of course that's, oh my gosh, it's not here. Right. Yeah, and I mean, whether it's Salinger, I mean, who, I mean, you just had it. It was a pretty interesting time to, to look. You just always think those books are there, and then you're like, oh no. And then there was a waiting list, and it's pretty fun. If you were to pick one of those classics that maybe you were supposed to read in high school and you didn't, um, is there one or two that kind of resonate with you? It's like, these are actually, because maybe, you know what, maybe not all of them you should go back to. <laughs> maybe they're not all worth that. But, you know, one or two that you think, yeah, give that one another go. I think if you're into a long one, Les Miserables is a really awesome book. It's hard to finish. I mean, it's, you know, it's a very thick book. Um, the Great Gatsby is one that's an easier read, and it's one that maybe it was probably on everybody's high school reading list, and maybe you didn't read it or you read it and didn't think much about it. But you go back when you get a little older and read it; it's, uh, you know, it's a pretty good read. Yeah, I think anything by Edith Wharton is worthy of reading. When you're older, I think it's kind of. I believe I was supposed to read it when I was maybe 19 or 20, maybe somewhere in college, and I was like, whatever. And then you get some life experience, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is so, of course, now I know what she's talking. I mean, it's it's a whole different experience. And I think um, I found that with most of her books that I did. And then if you want to be totally classic, you can never go wrong with Pride and Prejudice because it's the greatest book ever of all time. And Nobody should ever call in and dispute that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm an impartial librarian. <laughs> yeah, impartial librarian. Jennifer, do you have any ones that you think give that one another go? Um, I thinking back, I just I loved Robinson Crusoe, um, and that's just what comes to mind. Yeah, as a fave classic fave yeah um listeners we are actually i don't know how it goes so quickly but we're getting near the end of our time here but if you have a question or a comment you need a book recommendation please give us a call we have some great book minds here who i'm sure can um find that perfect rec for you give us a call 970-728-4333 I want to touch on children's books because it is a place that is just my heart goes happy. Um, children's books. Yeah. Rex on, on new books that are coming out. Wow. There are so many, so many great ones. Um, well, like picture books and chapter books, everything. Do you have anything in mind? Let's start with picture books and then we can move up to chapter books for young folks. Okay. Well, as far as in the bookstore, we've, we're working on our children's section and I'm really hoping to get some award sections. We can have Caldecott's and Newberry winners that so you can go in and find all those favorites that, you know, really spoke to you when you were young and, and that you want to give as gifts. And um, so we're kind of excited about that. Yeah. yeah, I think that um, we have worked on over the last year, year and a half, two years maybe now, um, really diversifying our collection and really creating um, new content and um, 
books that speak to everyone and that can identify. Picture books is the same and on subjects too. So we're pretty um, proud of the way that the children's library is looking right now. We're, we're doing a um, Aaron and Gloria and all those wonderful people in the children that, that hang out with the littles um, have really worked and are constantly bringing in new books so much for the picture books and um, and really listening to what um, is going on in the world and what kids need it's pretty pretty fascinating everything is it's not everything is you still have a lot of the old titles that you've that you, when you were a kid and I'm not saying you're old Julia oh, no. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying, but things that you remember and and now kids are becoming so much more familiar with newer authors and newer books and newer themes and it's pretty pretty cool yeah I know it, it is exciting. interesting I feel like whenever I have a niece and whenever I buy books for her I always want to go back to the ones that I remember from when I was a kid. But then it's like, oh my gosh, there's so many new ones. So that really But are. then it's interesting because, right, like, at least for me, children's, book ha- children's books have so much nostalgia attached to them. So even if yeah. there's, like, a new picture book that is amazing and wonderful, for me, it's like, but it's not Alfie and Annie Rose. Yeah. Or it's not, like, you know, Patricia Polacco or any of those ones that just, like, ugh tug at my emotional heartstrings from when it's I was a kid. It's hard, right? Yeah, you want to force yeah. your books on, like, you're like, I did that with my kids. Oh my god, this is the greatest book I've that you'll ever read. And they looked at me like, what? No. No. We want red, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. And I'm like, no, no. There's so much more. <laughs> like Gilbert the Moose. Gilbert the Moose. Yeah. Really? Gilbert the Moose? Gilbert the Moose learns to ski. That's my favorite How kids book. How could that not be the best book ever? I know. <laughs> <laughs> When you're looking for children's books, picture books specifically, um, I mean, so many of them have this beautiful blend of both. On a personal level, do y'all go for the words or the illustrations? Mm, It has to be both. I mean, the illustrations grab me because I just love that. But But then you could do a book with no words. You can, and those are fun. Those are fun. So you get to make up your own story of what you think. Yeah, our kids Um, love those. I was deprived. I never saw those until later in life. And I was like, what did my mother do? (laughs) How is that possible? That's why I do not have an imagination. (laughs) (laughs) I saw one. I think it was um, BJ Novak, Mm -hmm. I think his. Who has like, this is a book with no pictures or something like that. Which I read to my, well, my five-year-old niece told me I had to read to her because she found it hilarious. I do recommend if you have... It's one of the best story times. Yeah, little ever yeah. for sure. I rec- I personally recommend that one because it's um, it'll get them giggling for yeah. sure. At least if they're anything like my niece. Yeah, <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, we're not supposed to judge books by their covers. Never, we wouldn't dare. <laughs> but if you were saying, "Hey, I want a book that has a really amazing cover, also good content with it inside." What book would you be sending people to? Ooh. Oh, wow. okay, wow. With, based on cover? Yeah. Are we talking a genre? I mean, what do you, I mean, YA and, and juvenile fiction is very different. I mean, when you have, and I don't know that adults are much different, but you, like, you have browser shelves. You guys have that in the store, and people come in and look. They're looking at the cover first, right? That's what grabs them. The color, the, uh, I don't, yeah, that's a super hard question. If it were a teen coming in, um, 
I would ask them like, what What's your idea of a really good cover? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, what What's it going to be? But for you personally, me personally, yeah. It depends on the mood. I mean, some days you just need a pink or a blue book. You know, <laughs> you just need a pink or blue. And then some days you want to dive into. Um, out of all of my books, I would love to read the book about the Caracara because I think birds are so, so cool. And it's not my typical genre, but then once you start down the rabbit hole of it all, um, and there's a big awkward-looking bird of prey on the front that I would never be normally <laughs> gravitate to, but it's pretty cool-looking, and then you know it. So, yeah, I'm useless. Don't ask me. <laughs> I'm going to cheat and say Ryan Bono's book, the yeah. uh, photography book. Yeah. You well, can judge that one by the Well, you right? can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's yeah, intriguing. It's yeah. Well, he's an amazing photographer, and, right. I mean, how could you not love that? Yeah. Right. All right, what about you, Julia? Yeah. What would you, like, if someone's, oh, like... Yeah, how about that? <laughs> if you were thinking, like, I, based on the, like, if you were just looking at books, what would grab you? The cover. I think, well, so this is an interesting thing, because it's not actually um, a color or picture or anything. I love a tactile cover. Ooh. Something that has a little bit, like, rays that I can, like, run my fingers over. Mm-hmm. Oh. Or or if it looks like it has a tactile cover. So, yeah. any of the color? 12 books that you have reading, do any of them have tactile covers? <gasps> I'm trying to think. See, we're going to go deep in psychology Maybe here. they don't. Oh. Maybe that's the problem. You need to look at the cloth-bound classic books. Oh. Those are really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, they all are, you know, they're cloth, and they have, you know, foil kind of uh, writing on them. And they are, you know, they're books that are fun to hold. They have these beautiful graphic designs, like, um, you know, that pertain to something in the book. Um, that what, what is it, Frankenstein that has hearts? Right. Like the, you know, anatomical heart, not a Valentine heart, but, a, <laughs> you know, like the real deal, like all over the front. It's black and white, and it looks so cool. Nice. That's a good, that's a good tip. Yeah. Saying. And I do have one more um, Small World by Jonathan um, Ivinson, Ivinson that just came out that maybe a few weeks ago. I have had many patrons that have said it's historical fiction, Gold Rush, um, the railroad, and they love it. They're just so enjoying it. He's just, it was super fun. It's not too dark, and um, but good historical fiction reading. So if anybody's out there, Small World, and it's actually probably in your bookstore yeah. right now. Um, and it's on the browser shelf for the moment. Or maybe till tomorrow. Right. Right. Just close. <laughs> there you go. It'll, it'll be gone yes, by tomorrow morning. It, it yeah. might be. I was actually surprised when I walked by. I'm like, oh, it's still there. Um, but a patron brought it back to me today and said, oh, you have to, you have to when you're on Kodo, talk about this book. It was really, really good. I'm like, okay. Good to know. There we go. I know. Sweet. Well, we really are at the at the end of our time. Um, I would love to hear any final thoughts from any of you, or you know, why should people pick up a book instead of you know turning the TV on or doing something different? Hey, I, go ahead. I think the main reason is you're so plugged in to you know your phone and your computer and everything. And at least for me, picking up a book and kind of unplugging from that it it really helps you focus and. Um, kind of clear your mind from the day so you know that's where I am I would agree I don't know I think a book can have the same I mean it can just it takes you somewhere else that a, a computer or a TV can't take you and 
and it's quiet mm. and we all need some quiet right now I think right yeah maybe that's my thought yeah um, but for me it's dangerous like cause like I said I won't I won't go to work I'll call in sick just kidding if, <laughs> if but that's what you want to do like when you get a good yeah. book you want to just read and read and read which is great yeah 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 same relaxing and unplugging it's informative and you feel smarter when you read I do you are smarter when yeah you we're all smarter <laughs> <laughs> well Jennifer Tiffany Brad thank you so much for coming in the time flew by for listeners if you uh, didn't well, you didn't call in, but if you have that, <laughs> if you have that book recommendation that you really wanted to, you were like about to, but you didn't quite get there, um, feel free to stop by the bookstore or the library. There are plenty of folks there who want to help you find your favorite perfect book. Um, thank you for listening in throughout the hour. We're going to be back next week with more off the record, and of course, more news tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in and thank you all for being here this Uh, evening. Thank Thank you. you. Thanks Thanks for having us. us. Thanks for listening to Off the Record. Opinions expressed on this show are those of our guests. Join us again next week for another installment. And in the meantime, drop us a line at news at koto.org with feedback and ideas. Off the Record.